I want you to know something as uh, we launch into this sermon um, that even though uh, you aren't here physically in front of me, I, as I preach, I was uh, uh, asked this, this week, how do, how do I preach? What, what goes through my mind? And I really envision you. Uh, I envision you and in, in, in where you normally sit, you know, even uh, in our church where so many different people come and go, you have your normal spots. And so I do that. And I want you to know that I anticipate worshiping with you just as much now as I did a month ago when you sat right here in front of me and we, uh, uh, I preached and, and I watched your faces and, uh, and so I um, enjoy uh, just and anticipate coming to you just as much then uh, now as I did then. Um, if you've been a parent for any length of time, you, you know when your kids have the I need you cry and when they have the I want something cry, right? Those are two separate, very different things. It is the I need you and the I want you. And uh, this psalm uh, hones in on the I need you cry, the I need you call. Uh, there. There are two very different calls. And this psalm deals with what, it, what the psalmist calls the day of trouble. And though you cannot see it, it is, um, there's a technical word for this, no need for that, but it, it's the Oreo effect, I call it. It is the same phrase at the beginning of the psalm and the same phrase at the end. At the beginning of the psalm, it says, may the Lord answer you, and here it is, in the day of trouble. If you go to the last verse, uh, the ESV says, may he answer us when we call. In the Hebrew, that literally means in the day we call. Why is that so important? Because the day of trouble, the day of trouble is the day we should call. And the psalmist views those as one and the same. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May he answer in the day we call. If you are God's child He fully expects your day of trouble to be the day you call. He anticipates hearing from you. Now, there's something else that's pretty profound in this psalm. And if you write in your Bibles, get them out. If you don't have them out, get them out and and note this. There are three sets of threes. And it is around these three sets of threes that I'm building the sermon. Uh, From that, we discover the first set. May the Lord answer, answer, answer. The word answer is in verse 1, verse 6, and verse 9. Uh, we must know and we must remember that the Lord will not answer one who does not call. The Lord will not answer one who does not call. 
The word answer implies that there was a call. And if you have navigated now through the last three weeks without calling on God, then don't be surprised if you have not heard an answer. The situation that we are in is clearly a day of trouble. Everything is changing for so many people, everything. Alan Michael shared prayer requests just a moment ago. Death. Death of loved ones, not associated with the virus, but death still of loved ones. Some of you this week had to shut down your business. You lost your jobs. Others of you heard about an awful diagnosis that means just pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable and grim treatment. It is from these three references to the word answer that we discover when and from where the answer comes. God answers us when we call. God doesn't put us on hold. He never misses a call. He's never too busy. He answers us when we call. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May he answer you in the day you call. That word call is, I'll geek out a moment, is onomatopoeic. It's the word in Hebrew sounds like a cry. Uh, that means that the call is not very articulate. You don't have to put a beautifully worded prayer together to cry out to God. Your, your child does not have to articulate words when he or she is in trouble. You just know. And God just knows. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans 8, it says that when we don't know how to pray as we should, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that we cannot even understand. He prays to God the Father on our behalf, taking our inarticulate prayers and forming them into intelligible language to God the Father. I remember a few years ago, our son was having what would be his most extensive surgery. Tumor, not cancerous, but in his ear, the size of a golf ball. The surgery was at Chapel Hill. It lasted five hours. I remember as Wendy and I sat, and I think Adrian and Josh were with us for that surgery, and we sat through that surgery, it is hard to put into words what a dad and a mom feel when their son is in surgery or their daughter is in surgery. Many of you have been there, and the surgery went on and on and on. It lasted and lasted and lasted. Perhaps there was a minute when I did not pray, but I don't recall it. I think I prayed every single minute of that time. I don't know the words I said, 
they were probably, Lord, help. God, work. Oh, God, protect him. Oh, God, give the doctor wisdom. I don't know. God answers us in that moment. I am convinced of it. Let me, let me tell you where God answers us from. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. God answers us in verse 6 from his holy heaven. God answers us from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Don't know if you've ever thought about it, but an immediate answer from the wrong place is still the wrong answer. God answers us from heaven. We cannot lose sight of that. And this also gives us a principle that you may want to jot down. Heaven is above. And this lets us know that God is always over what we are under. He sees it from up there. He sees it from a perspective that you and I cannot see. God answers from heaven. He does not answer horizontally. He answers vertically. He is above all. May the Lord answer, answer, answer the second set of three because we pray in the name of Name, name, verses 1, 5, and 7. The word name occurs three times. Have you ever prayed for something, given it to God, only to take it back within just a few minutes? Have you ever said, I'm not going to worry, and so you pray and give the worry to God, and in just a few minutes, you're worried again? That's indeed what this psalm addresses. You say how? Let's look into it. Now, in its original context, the psalm is addressed to the king. It is addressed to the king, and the day of trouble for a king is a day of battle. And so you can look at the psalm, and we'll kind of take it apart in a moment, and I'll show you who's talking to the king and when the king answers and when the people answer back and when everybody and the king talk together. It's pretty remarkable. As a matter of fact, this psalm is so uh, used for that that in uh, the Church of England, in their book of common prayer, above this psalm is the words, in the time of war. They recognized this in, in the 1600s that this psalm was written for the time of war. So verses one, two, three, four, and five is a crowd of people talking to the king. Look at them. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. You're headed out to battle. May the Lord meet you there. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May he give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and with regard with favor your burnt uh, sacrifices. This assumes that this king has worshiped before he's gone to war. Look at that. 
May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. That means schemes. The king has worship, but he's also planned the battle. This assumes all of that. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. That's to the king. And the king answers in verse six. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. Speaking of himself, he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. This is the king and the people. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. And then the people say, O Lord, save the king. And then everybody says together, may he answer us when we call. With that in mind, where does the protection come from then for this king? He's going to battle. Well, if you look at these three verses, 1, 5, and 7, if you look at the references to the name of God, the answer is there. What do we learn from them? Any king going into battle needs protection. Typically, that would be his personal armor. It was meant for personal protection. Verse 1, may the God of Jacob protect you. Look at verse 5. Banners. What were banners? Flags. Just like when we go into battle, the American flag flies. A flag meant the king was prevailing. And look at verse 7. Chariots and horses. Every king needs chariots. Every king needs horses. Uh, there's nothing in this psalm that says we don't need an armor, we don't need flags, and we don't need protection. Kings need that. So what does this mean? Does it mean you should never trust in them? No. It means you should not ultimately trust in them. The temptation to ultimately trust in David's armor, in horses and chariots, was just as real to David and Israel as the temptation to ultimately trust today in our government, modern medicine, our own way of life, our health, our money. We, we can't ultimately trust those things. You cannot. To pray in the name, name, name is to trust in God over everything else. Medicine is a gift from God. Government is God's idea. Your good health is a gift from God. Good, healthy food is a gift from God. You can trust those things, just not ultimately. You know, when Trent was having surgery, Wendy and I were so grateful for that young Australian doctor. We trusted her. We trusted that OR. We trusted the anesthesiologist. We trusted the nurses, but we never once prayed to them. We prayed to God. 
Who do you ultimately trust? We really try to trust God more. May the Lord answer, answer, answer. When we call on the name, name, name of the God who saves, saves, saves. Verses 5, 5, 6, and 9. Verse 5 is before the king's gone out to battle. The whole psalm is. As a matter of fact, Psalm 21 is the victory psalm of the prayer psalm of Psalm 20. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of God set up our banners. This verse anticipates that God will give the king victory. Look at verse six. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. That's the king talking. How does he know all of a sudden that God answers? Has he gone to battle yet? No. Has he fought the battle yet? No. How does he already know? If he hasn't gone to battle and he hasn't fought yet, how does he know? Verses 1 through 5 have given him courage. That's how. I want to speak into this for a moment. And we're going to have to do this all through this crisis. I want to speak into it for a moment. You will not be encouraged, and I'm not asking you to avoid truth. You will not be encouraged by a news feed. It isn't there. You will not be encouraged, most likely, by the majority of the posts on Facebook. It's not to be found there. So let me give you three practices of how to practice Psalm 21 through 5. These encouraging words that go to a king, and the king hears them. And when he does, he anticipates victory before it happens. Three practices. Uh, one is not mine. The other two uh, I just came up with, though they're not original. Scripture before phone. Justin Early in his book talks about this, and if there's ever a time that you need to, once your feet hit the floor, get in the word first, it's now. Whatever is on your mind first forms a frame around your day. Scripture before phone. Please hear me. God's word is timeless. It speaks into where we are today. God's word is spoken for years and centuries and millennia into pandemics. Nobody alive can remember most likely the last one. It was 102 years ago. God's word speaks into these. Scripture before phone, number two. And this will apply specifically here at Grace, life, book, life group before Facebook. The people who know you best and, to love you mo and love you most need to speak into your life right now. Life group before, and you can put in Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is that feeds the media to you. Life group before that. This week I, I spent 
time with every, almost all but two life group leaders in this church. They are so committed to you. Life group before social media. Number three, this is going to nail all of us, myself included, cry out instead of cry about. Or when you legitimately need to cry about, let me just change this midstream, cry out before you cry about. There's some things we don't need to cry about because we're whining. We really are, and we need to quit it. Our way of life has been altered, and we don't need to cry about those things. But there are some things we need to cry about. When Sarah Syak texts me, I think it was Friday, and shared what her brother-in-law, who pastors in Brooklyn, New York, is experiencing, my heart broke for him. Within a matter of two hours, he learned about two already deaths and two soon-to-be deaths while he himself has COVID-19 on the front lines. That's worth crying about. That's hard. But I really, as a brother in Christ, should cry out before I cry about. That's what this psalm says. The people closed this psalm with a prayer. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. I can't end this sermon without focusing on the word saves. I'm going to say it in uh, the original language, Yeshua. The Lord saves, saves, saves. There was a man who was born in the most unlikely of circumstances to the most unlikely of mothers. He lived in the most unlikely of places and was called to do the most unlikely thing. His name was Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus. He was born on the wrong, wrong side of the tracks. He grew up in Nazareth where it was questioned, could anything good come out of it? And he had a personal mission statement. One that if you've never come to him in faith, you need to know. He said, calling out his arch rival, Satan, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. He said in another place, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
he said in another place, the Son of Man, referring to himself, came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to save, save, save. It is who he is. It is in the DNA of God to rescue. He has been on a rescue mission since Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit. And he is still on one today. He has not called off his rescue mission. He is mighty to save. 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 Um, I'm not sure if this applies here. But in Hebrew, there does not exist what we call in English a superlative, meaning the word best, greatest, heaviest, hardest. Those words do not exist. So what the Hebrew does is to take one word, repeat it three times. That's why the angels say, holy, holy, holy. Could it be that Psalm 20 is the most emphatic word of Scripture about the God who saves to the uttermost and saves, as one old preacher said, to the guttermost? Could it be that? I encourage you this morning that if you have never come to Christ, that if you will see him with arms open and a full-on invitation for you to come to him. He waits for you. He longs for you. He died for you. I encourage you, if you know God, if you have trusted Christ, if you are a follower, Jesus, to come to him, to the God who answers, answers, answers. Pray in the name, name, name of the one who saves, saves, saves. If you want to trust Christ, let us know. If you need prayer, what well, Alan Michael said, we're serious about. Message us, let us know. Message us privately if it needs to be that. Publicly, if that's okay. We are here and we want to pray for you. I'm gonna pray now and Adrian's gonna give us just some closing words. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. This morning, your word has again brought comfort.
Father, I come to you, and right now, I pray for people that now more than ever, as they navigate the choppy waters of our life, that they will cry out to you and as a result cry about what matters most. Be they lost and cry out to you for saving or saved and cry out to you for help. Oh, may our gaze be upward and our hearts be set, and our thoughts be fixed. In Jesus' name.